Well, it's a new year, and uh, as always, uh, the new year, people, most people, many, not most, I guess you'd say many people have uh, resolutions, uh, things, commitments that they, new commitments they want to make for the year. Uh, and probably a great portion of those is obviously to lose weight. Um, I think what, 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 is, what is another probably real common resolution? One, I think number one is to lose weight, exercise or lose weight. What's another one? What's that? Read more? Okay. I don't know how many of our culture wants to do more. In the world. <laughs> that would, yeah. As, as, I, as I was considering our text today, I, I thought that it really will give us, I think, two good goals for 2020. Uh, my aim is, is obviously not to, to lay guilt trip on us. Um, this is a portion of, of Colossians that, uh, is really talking about our duty. Um, and, and the scriptures do have a lot of obligations, things that, things that are duties for us, but they are, they are not burdensome. They are not, um, we, we don't do them to earn God's love. We don't do them certainly earn salvation. Uh, but the scriptures do give us certain things that we are to engage in, we, are, we, we should be doing. Um, and so, the, again, the aim is not to uh, add guilt, uh, but, but to give us maybe two practical ways, two practical things that we can, uh, that we can do this, this year, namely to live more faithfully, uh, to, to, to pray more consistently, and to live more faithfully, uh, really is what I think Paul is getting at uh, in this text. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. <clears throat> Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I, may pro- that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Uh, two goals, uh, two practical goals for us for this uh, for year 2020 that you can add to your list, uh, losing weight or being more in the Word or whatever it is. Uh, and the first one is to pray more faithfully. To pray more faithfully. And really, he, he talks about this in verses 2 through 4. He begins by saying, devote yourselves to prayer. He, he tells us how to pray. And, and he tells us to devote yourselves to prayer. Um, other translations, the New King James says, continue earnestly. Uh, the ESV has, I think it has, uh, what is the ESV? I think it's uh, continue steadfastly, so it's basically the same thing. I think those get more at the, at the sense of this word. It, it, ha- it means to give your time and effort completely to something. Now, this is an imperative. It's an imperative mood, which means what? It's a command. He's not saying, I'd like for you to consider to pray more faithfully or to vote yourselves to prayer. It's a command. So if God said, another command is, um, thou shalt not steal. Is it okay to steal? No. So when he says, I want you to devote yourselves to prayer, is that something that we go, I'll consider that for this year. 
I'll consider that. That's something I'll consider doing. No, this is just as much of a command as thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder. Um, He says, I want you to devote yourselves to prayer. I want you to give yourselves that all, I want to give your time and effort completely to prayer. And then he tells us several ways to do this. First of all, this whole notion of earnestly. You know, he says in 1 Thessalonians, pray continually, pray constantly. Again, command. I want you to pray continually. Keep your marker here. Remember back in Acts, Acts chapter 1, from day 1 in the early church. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Actually, verse, you know, I'll never be able to do this again. Uh, Acts, starting verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. And, they, and this is the same word. And they all join together constantly in prayer. Here, in the NIV, they translate this word as join together constantly. From day one, they join together constantly to pray. It, it was earnest. It was continual. It was, it, was a, it, there, it was a devotion that they had to pray regularly and continually. I, 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 would, I would suspect that if you were to poll most Christians and you were to say, what is probably the weakest aspect of your Christian life? I would suspect probably next to evangelism, prayer would be it. And yet, at the very outset, he tells us that we are to be praying, we are to be devoted to prayer, we are to continue earnestly in prayer. The question is, why don't we? I want you to, don't say it out loud, I want you to th- think for a minute. If you can't say that you, you are devoted to prayer, that you continue steadfastly in prayer, why don't you? Why don't we? Think about it for a minute. Why don't we regularly pray? I, I think, as I thought about there's a couple of reasons. Number one is discouragement. We become discouraged. God is a, is a very patient God, and He has a very specific timetable for our lives. And when we pray, we're kind of a microwave generation. We're used to microwaves. Um, you know, we plug something in, you push a button, and a minute later you get a baked potato. And we're even impatient while the baked potato is baking in our microwaves. So part of it is discouragement. Part of it is we pray and pray, and either nothing happens or bad stuff continues to happen. Now that's why Jesus in Luke 18.1, when he was going to tell them about prayer, he, he begins by saying, and now he told them a parable in order that they might pray and not lose heart. He understands the nature of prayer is discouragement. We become discouraged. Uh, so that's one of the hindrances to, to being devoted to prayer is, is we become discouraged, usually from a lack of, um, of answer. Number two is probably worse, but it's, these are all probably combined somehow, is unbelief. We really, let me, let me ask us, because I'm including me, if we really believed that prayer was effectual, 
If we really believe that, if we really believe that that prayer really matters, I suspect we probably pray continually. But at, at the heart of our lack of prayer is we really don't believe it works. And until we face that, until we confess that, until we confess, God, I really don't believe prayer makes any difference whatsoever. I've heard Christians say this, whether I pray or whether I don't pray, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. That's unbelief. Because he tells us, I want you to be devoted. I want you to continue earnestly in prayer. Discouragement, unbelief, tyranny of the urgent. Quite frankly, we live busy lives. We, we go to work, uh, we drive home, we, we fix dinner or we, we eat dinner, we watch TV, we watch some TV or we have to go run errands, we put the kids to bed, we're, we're exhausted and we just don't have time. We go to bed. Tyranny of the urgent. The tyranny urgent is, is we allow urgent things to crowd out important things. One of the reasons we don't, we're not devoted to prayer is just tyranny of the urgent. The urgency of all of the things we have to get done in life. Another one, and I guess it's related to discouragement, we just, we just grow impatient. You know, things don't happen as quickly as we want them to, and so we're just impatient. It probably combined with discouragement, with unbelief, all these things work together. We just don't pray as we are commanded to pray. One of the reasons I did this was uh, in studying Colossians, I was convicted that we didn't pray enough in church. As I said, where's, where's the one place we should pray continually is in church. So that's one of the reasons why we've, we've gone to our prayer cards, is, to, is, is so that we might develop a habit and a pattern of being devoted to prayer. So he says, I want you to pray earnestly, continually, um, steadfastly. And we need to overcome unbelief. We need to overcome discouragement and tyranny of the urgent. We need to be patient and, and, um, and earnestly pray. The, the second thing he says, if you go back to the text, Colossians chapter 4, he says, devote yourselves to prayer. That's number one. Continue steadfastly in prayer. That's number one, how we should pray. But number two, he says, I want you to be watchful. Now, I'm going to give you a quiz, a pop quiz. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful. What do we call that? What part of speech do we call that? It's an ING. Being watchful. What's an ING? Oh, everybody gets enough. It's a participle. Remember I said most of our English translations, when we have words that end in ing, it, it, it is usually referring to a participle, and a participle modifies a main verb. So he's saying, is it, and, and a participle usually does one of two things. It's usually temporal or, or means, by means of, or as, or when. So we devote ourselves to prayer. I take this as one of the components is by... By means of being watchful. In other words, one of the components of continuing steadfastly in prayer is, is by being watchful. Now, what does that mean, being watchful? When you hear the word watchful, some of our translations say vigilant. Others have being alert. What do you think, how do you think that relates to prayer? 
I want you to continue steadfastly in prayer by being watchful. Okay, so one element might be being watchful. Yeah, I, I agree. It may be, because a lot of times God answers our prayer and we don't maybe even realize it. So part of that watchful maybe is he's saying, be watchful for God moving and answering that prayer. Good. What else? Watchful for other things. So as I'm praying, as I'm continuing earnestly in praying, I'm, I'm alert to other needs and other things that, that, that need to be prayed for or other people that need to be prayed for. Good. Anything else? Those are two really good ones. I, I hadn't thought of those. Those are really good. Turn to Matthew chapter 26 because I just thought, well, I'll, I'll look up where this word is used elsewhere. Matthew 26. Because I, I do believe that that's part of being watchful. Those, those two things, to be sure. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 36. This is right before Jesus' uh, arrest and, and crucifixion and death. He's, he's, he's praying in Gethsemane. Verse 36, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and... What does your translation say? Watch. Keep watch. Same word. Keep watch with me. Now, what would this keep watch be? Probably. Yeah, we're going to look at that in a minute. Keep going. (laughs) Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch, same word, keep watch with me for one hour? Couldn't you stay awake for one hour? You couldn't pray one hour and stay awake? Have any, have any of us prayed for an hour ever? Why is it hard? Why would it be hard to pray for an hour? You get sidetracked, you can't focus, and sometimes we're just tired. Our mind wanders, or we start falling asleep. So an aspect of maybe being watchful is to stay alert while you pray. Don't let your mind wander. Don't fall asleep. Don't doze off. Don't, here's, here's what I wrestle with. Typically, I pray at home. And as I'm praying at home, I, I visually see things. Oh, I need to get that done, or I need, I, I need to remember to do that. I need to... My mind is everywhere, but on my prayer. That even rhymes. My mind is everywhere, but on prayer. And and I think being watchful is, pay attention. Be focused. Don't doze off. Don't, Don't let your mind wander. Be watchful. Um, Ephesians 6.18, chapter 6 of Ephesians is, is almost parallel to our text and, and, it, and it, um, it adds, I think, some further insight to this. Ephesians 6, 18, he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. That, 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 that maybe defines devoted to prayer a little, little uh, more um, 
concretely. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Same word. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So, so this, this notion of alertness, of, of staying awake, of being, being aware of, um, of needs around you, of staying focused. But number three, so earnestly, watchfully, number three is thankfully, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and by being thankful. Now this is pretty straightforward, is it not? We are to be grateful when we pray. This has to do with our heart. This has to do with our intentions. Uh, we, we don't pray saying, God, I, I don't think you're going to answer this, but I'm going to pray anyway. I know none of you have ever consciously said that, but sometimes we, we're, we, we are ungrateful. He says we're to be thankful. Thankful, I think, for His grace. Thankful that we're even able to bring things to Him. We forget what a, what a credible privilege that is. That the, that the infinite holy God, I, I can come before Him and, and, and bring Him my requests and my needs and, and things that, that I want to pray about. I ought to be thankful for that. I ought to be thankful for His willingness to respond. So He tells us how to pray earnestly, watchfully, and thankfully. Number, th- number two is He tells us what to pray. Look at verse 3. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. How would you, how would you summarize what he says to pray for? In this passage, you know, it doesn't mean that this is the sole content of your, you're only supposed to pray for this, but this is, should be included in what we pray for. How would you summarize what he tells us to pray for in verses 3 and 4? Starts with one word. It's one word. Starts with G and rhymes with gospel. What is it? Read this language again. Pray for us that God may open a door for our message. That we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Verse 4, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. But the focus is on the gospel. And he says, first of all, pray for opportunities. He uses this metaphor of open door. This this is a picture, this is a metaphor for for basically opportunities. Um, Kelly, do you have New Living today? Would you read that verse verse 3? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Pray for the for many opportunities for open doors. You, one of the things that we can pray for our missionaries is what? Pray that God would give them opportunities. What are one of the things that maybe we can pray for ourselves? Opportunities that God would grant us opportunities. To share the message of Christ. So he says, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for the gospel. I want you to pray for opportunities. And, and number two, I guess indirectly, I think he's, he's praying for boldness and for courage. Because look, look again at verse 3. He says, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message 
that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. So he's further explaining what he means by message, by the mystery of Christ, namely Christ crucified. And then he has this clause, for which I am in chains. So I add that we are to pray for boldness and for courage. Are we willing to go to jail over, over the gospel? Dan, handed me, uh, Dan Light handed me the new um, Voice of the Martyrs map. And somehow I need, I need to figure out how to mount it. It, it shows the, the, all the various countries around the world that are, that are hostile and or restricted in terms of the gospel. And, and you look at this map and it's just inundating. Um, the colors of how many places where, where, where the, the world is hostile to the gospel, or the gospel is just officially restricted and pro- prohibited. Um, again, Ephesians, you don't have to turn there, Ephesians 6.19, listen to this, he says, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known, or, or that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Now, why... Would he ha- they have to pray for him to do it fearlessly. What's the implication? It's fearful. Now let me ask you this. Why is sharing our faith such a fearful thing? I think most of us would agree it's scary. It's fearful. It's hard. Why? I really tried to, this week, I tried to think, why is it so hard? It is so easy to, to, for, to talk to other people, oftentimes strangers, about the Broncos, about the weather. Uh, why, is it so, why is it so hard to talk about Christ to people? Have you ever thought about it? Fear of rejection? Persecution? Some, for us, mild, obviously. But yeah, absolutely. But Why? Why is there so much rejection? Bigoted, yeah. Right. Right, right. Right. Again, it's like a personal attack. Yeah. This is not an... There's something... Not something. There is definitely... This is a spiritual endeavor. In other words, the reason why it is so fearful on one level is just the very things that were mentioned here. But I think at a, at a, at a very deeper level, there is, there is, as Ephesians 6, and it's interesting that when he talks about prayer in Ephesians 6, it's right included in the whole nature of spiritual warfare. I think one of the reasons, one of, maybe, maybe even more so on the surface, is underlying this is a real spiritual warfare that's going on. One of the reasons why it's so fearful, these, these are, these are you're, when you're talking about the gospel, you're talking about the transferring people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And I'm not trying to say there's a demon behind every bush, and I'm not trying to, but I, on the other hand, guys, I think it, I've never been more conscious of the fact that it's not just a, it's not just a surface. Well, people don't like to talk about religion and politics. It, that's certainly true, but I think it's much more than that. I think one of the reasons why it is so fearful and takes so much courage in, for us is that there is a real spiritual battle going on. 
And we need to pray for boldness and for courage in the battle. That we wouldn't shrink away. That we wouldn't... What, what, what's the word they call it in the military when you run? Retreat. Uh, no, not retreat, because that's ordered. You go AWOL. You, 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 uh... okay. Sounds like two words. <laughs> they, they defect. They uh, mutiny. They... Okay. You get the point. So he says, I, I want you to pray for opportunities. I want you to pray with boldness. Or I want you to share with boldness, with courage. And number three, he says, I want you to be clear. Pray that we would be clear. Look at verse four. Pray that I, mo- that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. This is an in- interesting adverb, isn't it? He doesn't say pray that I may proclaim it. He says, I, I, want, I don't want to just proclaim it, but I want to proclaim it Clearly. Now, ultimately, the Holy Spirit is the, is, is the one who, who, who regenerates the heart. God regenerates the heart and draws people to Himself. And yet, we are responsible to present the Gospel clearly. Uh, i got to tell you a quick story. I'll never forget this. When I first got involved in Camp State for Christ, um, one of the things that we would do, they taught us how to use the Four Spiritual Laws booklet. And we would go with our with our the, our the person who discipled us, and we'd go out on campus at UNM. We'd go over to this place called Johnson Gym. Johnson Gym was the old uh, basketball arena before they built the pit. And Johnson Gym was where they have like PE classes and and uh, well, a lot of some classes going on in there. But it was a favorite place. People would go up, you know, because they'd have all these seats. Students would go up there in between class between classes, very quiet. And they would read or eat, and it was just a, it was a good place to go uh, to, to share the gospel. And we would take our four spiritual law booklet, and uh, if you know the four spiritual laws booklet, one of the things they told us they said you know fold the page over because people are going to want to read ahead. They're they're not paying attention, so you fold the paper in half. Uh, you start with 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 law one, God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. You go through that, then you go to law two. Man is sinful and separated from God, therefore he cannot know and experience God's love and plan for his life. And then you flip it over in God's three. Uh, uh, and, and so you, you go through it sequentially. It's, it's one, two, three, four, the four spiritual laws. And so uh, Alan Hendrickson, the campus director who was discipling me and this other football player, we would share our faith and we would take turns. And it was this guy's turn. This is the first time he's ever shared his faith. And so we sat down with this student and he started and he was so nervous. And his hands were shaking and, he, and he, he got through law one just fine, but when he turned the page, he, he was so nervous, he turned two pages and went, and he started on number three, on law three. He skipped law two, and, and if you know me, I'm going, you skipped law two, God, I've locked it. You know, you, you, know, you got to do it right. You got to do it right. You know, one, two, three, and he skipped law two, which is really an important law. Law two is man is sinful and separated from God. Therefore, you, you skip law two. I'm, I'm just dying on the inside. And he gets halfway through law three and it dawns on him. I think he picked up the vibes. It dawned on him he skipped number two. He says, oh, wait a minute, I skipped law two. And he goes back to law number two. So and now he's flustered. So he goes through, he doesn't do law two right. So, Right. So then he goes back to law three, law four. It was just a, it was a disaster. It was an unmitigated disaster. You know what happened? 
the guy trusted Christ. <laughs> Literally trusted. And he became involved in Camp Safe for Christ, and he became uh, part of the leadership team. And he did everything wrong. Now, I say that to say, ultimately, obviously, it's, it's God, the Holy Spirit, that's going to lead people to Christ. Yet, we, we need to do it clearly. We, we need to be as clear as the Scriptures are clear. We, we need to pray that we proclaim it clearly. Clearly mean that it's, it's understood. That they get it. He says, I want you to pray for opportunities, for boldness, for courage, for clarity. And, 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 and by the way, it's not just something that we pray for other people, but what can we do with all of this? Pray for ourselves. We've got, a brand, we've got brand new neighbors to the, to the right of us, the left of us, depending upon which way you're facing. And I've been convicted. I've been praying, okay, God, give me opportunities. Give me opportunities. Help me be bold. Let me have courage. <laughs> Let me be clear. And so I, I met the wife this last week. We were out in the back. Her name is Jamie. Her dog's name is Rex. And uh, Rex and Billy are going to get along famously and fabulously. And so I, we've started. I've, I've started. I, I prayed for an opportunity, and lo and behold, we had a, a back porch opportunity. What to pray? Pray for the gospel. Pray for opportunities, for boldness, for courage. But goal number two, so, so goal number one is to pray more faithfully, to pray more earnestly. Goal number two is to live more purposefully. Look at me quickly at verses five and six. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer every person. So now he shifts not only, he's not saying from how we are to act and what we are to do. Notice how he follows up. He says, Make the most of those opportunities that you just prayed for. So he focuses on, in verses 2 through 4, he focuses on how we are to live. In fact, a lot of our, a lot of our translations say walk in wisdom, live your lives, conduct yourself. So verses 2 through 4, he's talking about how you live your life. 5 and 6, though, he's talking about how you use your mouth, how you're to use your speech. He says, I want you to live more purposefully, the first way is how we act, namely with wisdom. And, and we could go into a, a lot in terms of that, but I, I'm thinking of Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 when he says, I become all things to all people so that I all, by all possible means I may save some. He's saying, be wise when you interact with non-Christians, those who are outside, he calls them outsiders, those who are outside the faith. As you interact with them, act in a way that's wise. And I think that Paul in, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23 says, you know what, if, if, um, you, it's okay to use some freedoms that you have in Christ. That, that by all possible means I might save some. Now, now, clearly Paul says it doesn't mean that I'm free to sin to do that. I'm not free to sin to win them. But I think what he would, I think it, it might, it might, it might lighten up when you're around outsiders, when you're when we're around non-Christians, I think 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23, if I were to sum it up, I'd say, lighten up. Um, be wise in how we live. Be wise in the way you use your freedom, to be sure, but use your freedom in Christ. 
Be wise in how you interact with with non-Christians. So he talks about verse 5, the way we act. He says, um, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. In other words, take advantage of every opportunity, lighten up, engage them, and in fact, in verse 6, now he says, and now, let your conversation be always full of grace. So now he's talking about the way that we speak. And, and he says that it be what? He uses a couple of metaphors. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Here's a word that I think we need to make a, a regular part of our vocabulary as Christians. Winsome. Winsome. We are to be winsome people. Do you know what winsome means? Lighthearted, attractive, engaging. Gracious, gracious. It gets back, I think, to what what Kelsey was saying. Do people view us as gracious people? I'm not talking about compromising morals. I'm not talking about, um, you know, we we compromise right and wrong. But I'm talking about when 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 a telemarketer calls us. Do they still call us? How do you treat a telemarketer? Are you gracious? Or are you rude? That's rude. <laughs> well, that's right. They use the recording now. Yeah. What about what about what about the person at Taco Bell? I think we've talked about this before. What about the, when you get the, they get your order wrong? Are you gracious? What? Are, I think what he's saying. He's saying when we speak to people, he says, "I want you to be engaging." I want you to be gracious. I want you to be... Okay, so for some of us, this is going to be really hard. I want you to be interesting. He wants us to be the most interesting people in the world. You know that commercial, The Most Interesting Man Alive? He wants us to be engaging and gracious. Pray that we would be winsome when we, meet, when, when we interact with outsiders. Even though they may, they may speak in ways that offend us, they may act in ways that offend us, can we speak to them, can we act around them in a way that's engaging and gracious and attractive? In fact, where's that passage when he says to, to adorn the doctrine of Christ? We, we're to live in such a way that, that we make following Christ attractive. Sometimes it's not possible. But he says, I want you to pray that you would live more purposefully. In other words, more purposefully in the way that you, to think through how am I acting towards outsiders? How am I speaking towards, with them and towards them? Am I engaging? Am I gracious? Well, pray more faithfully. Live more wisely. I'm sure there are many other things that we can and we could and we should be, do this year. But, but, I, but I got to thinking, if I did nothing else this year but these two things, um, how, how would 2020, two for 2020, these two things, how would, how would life be different for me and those around me if I were to really devote myself to prayer and if I were really to act wisely and graciously and winsomely to those around me?
particularly outsiders. At the very least, if I did these two things, what kind of year would 2020 really be? Let's pray. Father, uh, we want to be uh, people who continue steadfastly and earnestly in prayer. You have commanded us to do that. That is not an option. It is not something we are to consider. Uh, it, is, it is something we are to do. So, Father, as we do it, I pray that it would not be viewed as a burden. It is difficult. It is hard. As I have been trying to implement more consistency and more earnestness in my prayer time, not only while I'm praying, but the, the, the amount of days and times I pray. Lord, it is hard and it is difficult. It's probably the most difficult thing I do. God, I pray that we would not lose heart. I pray that we would not let unbelief uh, prevent us from praying more earnestly. I pray that we would be patient with You, that we would, we would believe You and have faith, that we would not let urgent things crowd those, uh, the, the most important thing out. And Father, I pray that as we interact with outsiders, that we would be gracious and engaging and winsome in our witness. That not only the way that we act, but even indeed how we interact with them. May we adorn the doctrine of Christ. May we, um, may we make Jesus and walking with Jesus attractive. And many times it's, that's, not, that's not how it's going to be perceived. We understand that. But that's not, that's not our job. Our job is to make it attractive. So, Lord, I pray for 2020 that, if nothing else, we do these two things. Um, that we pray more earnestly. That we live more wisely. And uh, not, that we would, uh, not that we would receive the credit, but that you would receive the glory for it. We thank you and we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please stand and join hands?